Hello and welcome to the Truck and Driver podcast. I'm Paul O'Callaghan and I'm joined today by Craig McCauley. Craig is a truck driver, journalist, photographer, all the way from New Zealand. And Craig is going to fill us in on the state of the New Zealand uh, trucking market and what it's like as a, as a driver in New Zealand. So Craig, I'd like to welcome you to the show. I believe your things at the tables have turned somewhat, seeing as you're just gone into a, a lockdown down in New Zealand. Is that correct? Yeah, yes, it is, Paul. Yeah, uh, good to be on the podcast. Yeah, we've had um, COVID reasonably under control in New Zealand. Um, we've just had, however, an outbreak of the Delta variant, and we're back in what we call as a level four lockdown. So. If you're not an essential business, you're pretty much told to stay at home. All right, okay. So I presume as a truck driver, that doesn't really affect you. Um, you're, you're able to keep trucking as normal? Yes, yes. The company I drive for um, are involved in most facets of road transport, but particularly around agricultural work. So, yeah, the fertiliser's still got to move. Um, the stock feed's still got to be carted. So it's very much business as usual, just trying to do it in the most contactless way as possible. Okay, yeah, very very good. Um, just tell us a little about the company that you're, that you're working for. I, I, I'm pretty familiar with their, with their colours, green and white, and um, just whereabouts they're based and how many trucks that they have in the fleet, Craig? Yeah, okay, Dougie, yes. I work for Solly's Contractors, which is a fifth-generation family-owned firm. Um, based in the northwestern corner of New Zealand, South Island. And they're running just over 100 trucks, doing everything from fertiliser spreading, ready mix concrete, general freight, uh, livestock, and quite a big bulk cartage division using solid side bin trucks, as well as lift outside tippers. Um, yeah, so that's what we do. So yeah, it's still family owned. Uh, five okay. depots. And uh, what sort of trucks? I believe you were, the last time I was speaking to you, you were waiting for uh, a new Mercedes-Benz Arox, but in the end, you ended up getting a new new generation Scania R520 with the, sorry, excuse me, R620 with the, uh, with the Euro 5 engine. So what about the rest of the fleet makeup there, Craig? Is it primarily Scania's or do they run a good uh, mix of trucks? Um, the company, Dougie, is... Yeah, built it's um, you know it's built on Japanese trucks actually of all things um, Isuzu's and latterly uh, Nissan's or UDs and back to Isuzu's recently um, there's about 15 Mercedes Benz of various models and five Scania's so yeah I was fortunate enough in May to get a new R620 uh, Euro five and certainly okay. best kit so. When you said you just have five Scanias in the fleet, uh, I presume the Scanias are only a recent addition to the fleet, are they? Or have they always had a presence there? Because I just noticed in New Zealand, um, the Scanias seem to be really increasing their market share over there. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yep, made great inroads in probably the last two to three years. Um, yeah, getting a great service network as well. But the company has had uh, a fertiliser spreader like a four before agricultural spreader um, for probably a decade um, and then was a one arrived as a livestock unit with um, you know because of the chassis height primarily 
for the double death cattle uh, to save the back rub. And yeah, there's just been a, a few more of them trickle in. Okay, um, just interesting that, that you mentioned back rub there. I just noticed on the on the news over this side of the world in the past week, there's been some new uh, re- regulations brought into the UK whereby they're they're banning um, live export for slaughter purpose, purposes. And also, interestingly, they're bringing in uh, a new rule. And this kind of sounds like it mirrors what, what you have in New Zealand. So basically, they're bringing in a minimum uh, space allowance over the over the back of the animal to the top of the roof. There's a minimum requirement of 20 centimetres. So that's going to definitely have a have an impact on on what we're allowed here with with trailers because I know with you guys it's all it's all about kind of deck heights isn't it and um you seem to be running you're always running on on pretty low profile 60 profile tires uh, if yeah. I'm correct in saying that and I presume that's all to do with um maximum internal height for the animals Yeah yeah absolutely 17 and a half inch um yeah low profile tires seem to be the preferred choice for a lot of operators just to give that yeah, to give that pain yeah, and um, how have you, how has the six twenty been performing for you? Uh, did you have Scania's before, or is this your your first one, Craig? Um, this is my first one. Uh, yeah, I came out of a couple of different five hundred and thirty horsepower Isuzu's, uh, but the sixteen liter Isuzu engine certainly nothing like the sixteen liter Scania. Um, the Isuzu's were good trucks, but yeah, Scania certainly. A lot more enjoyable to drive. It's a lot easier to drive. Uh, yeah. On a run, on a run from Canterbury um, back up to home base, which is about five hundred kilometres, uh, you climb some quite major hills. The Lewis Pass at just on eight hundred metres above sea level, and the Tarkaka Hill at seven hundred and ninety-one. It's using about thirty litres less diesel than the Isuzu did running at the same cross weight. Okay, now, um, liters uh, over over this end. It's well, it's a bit a bit of both. A lot of people are sp- still speaking in 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 miles per gallon. So I presume with, with you guys, it's all it's it's liters per kilometers, is it or? Yeah, yeah, it is liters per kilometer, Dougie. So we're, yeah, we're going about one point seven kilometers to the liter of fuel current. Okay. And just in relation to. Uh, where you're based, Craig, you're up on the top of the of the South Island. So whereabouts does your does your work normally take you? And um, do you have to do nights out? And when you do nights out, uh, do you take them in motels or in the cab of the truck? Yeah, I, I would do somewhere um, somewhere around an average of three nights out a week. Um, the company covers virtually the whole of the country, um, but a majority of my work is in the South Island. With the Scania, I sleep on it just about every night. Um, we've sort of not set up with the services like you are there in the UK. Um, so sometimes it takes a bit of nothing out where you're going to get a share or a meal. Yeah. Um, yeah, a few of the guys that work for us sleep in their trucks and um, a good majority of them still stay at hotels and motels, which the company puts them up in for the night. Okay, so I presume it's it's left to your own discretion if whether you want to sleep in a motel yeah, or yeah, ab- you want to sleep absolutely, in the yeah. You go to the motel and have um, you're accommodated and fed at the company's expense, or you're given an overnight allowance and you look after yourself. Oh. Okay, and apart from parking at a at a motel, Craig, what what other parking facilities are available 
the truck drivers and say for example in the uk it's all motorway services basically um you have a few kind of private truck stops and then a lot of guys end up uh, because parking is such an issue uh, not just in the uk but even um even in in europe in general now it's just very very hard germany for example if you don't find a parking spot by five or six in the evening it gets very 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 difficult so where else is it open for you to park in new zealand yeah there's there's not a lot of services as such as i said before um there's sometimes your delivery or pickup location you can overnight at um failing that just find a quiet spot on the road which is getting less and less Something to do. Okay, yeah, so pretty pretty similar to uh, to this end. And um, just for people that that um, that won't know, what sort of di- differences are there between the two islands in terms of, we'll say, geography and um, just the general landscape for for truckers like woods? I, I presume the North Island has is, is more mountainous and has a, has a little bit more traffic. Would I be correct in saying that? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yep. So the highest point on the uh, State Highway 1, which I guess would be the equivalent of your M1, is uh, at a thousand yeah. metres above sea level. Okay. Um, yeah, the North Island, yeah, there's um, a lot of rolling to hilly topography. Um, the South Island has rolling topography at both ends and a large flat area in the middle. Uh, and then okay. crossing, east, crossing east to west, there's good sets of dividing ranges in both islands. That's yeah. I I I remember what something which stood out in my memory was um, when I was traveling around there a couple of years ago. That was just I'm trying to think when that was just before the uh, this pandemic hit. But I was traveling with uh, with a stock truck in the North Island, and we had to go from go from east, sorry, east, yeah, east to west. And there had been a road that was closed. But I remember we went we went over some some pretty big hills and that was kind of the main route and it was explained to me that north to south doesn't seem to be much of a problem but if you try and go east to west on the north island with that um with that huge dividing range it's uh you really like we were in a 730 scania that time and i don't think you could have enough power for the hills we were going up at, at maximum weight yeah yeah absolutely um so just in terms of the the the, the the truck market itself, Craig, who would be the market leaders in New Zealand in terms of sales? Market leaders currently, Japanese, Oizuzu. Um, oh, they're still in, still number one? Yes, yeah, still, num- still number one currently. Um, that, that's across all the weight ranges. Um, just okay. having a look at the registrations here today, just doing a bit of homework for you. So we've got Scania um, sold, registered for the year, 233 trucks. Okay. Volvo 132. Uh, yeah. DAF, we, we're just getting into those uh, Euro 6 DAFs with the facelift cab model. Okay. There's, there's 86 of them got on the road this year. Okay. Um, the, the American brands are still reasonably popular, not so many freight liners since the uh, demise of the Argosy of the cab over. So currently, you don't get a cab over freight one, you can only get a conventional. Okay. Um, internationals, they're um, the only truck that is assembled in New Zealand now is the 9870 cab over international and uh, the Long Nose Pro Star. Yeah. Uh, Kenworths are, Kenworth are very popular. Yeah. 
uh, Mac have just released a new anthem in New Zealand, their new conventional model. Okay. So they're just roadshowing that around the country presently. Okay. And uh, it's so international. That's that's interesting. So international are the, are the only trucks that are uh, assembled um, in New Zealand. And were there other marks that were that were assembled there before, or um, in, in the past, or has it just been international, Craig? No, no. Mac was assembled. They had a um, had a major assembly plant at Palmerston North in the in the North Island of the country, and put you know close to a couple of thousand of them on the road before we started getting um, our Macs out of Brisbane. Okay. Because when um, when I was there, I know, a thing I noticed as well was that there seemed to be a huge amount of love in New Zealand for the old, um, for the Mac Ultraliners, which are oh. the, 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 the cab overs, which I presume there's such a, an affinity towards them because they were uh, assembled in New Zealand. And, um, okay, they're pretty thin on the ground now, but um, when what was the what was the production run of, of the... Of the Mac um, Ultraliner, and I know they had a six-cylinder, and there was also a V8 one, which, yeah. which seemed to. Yeah, seem there to be, was. Uh, um, I could be tripped up on this, but I think the first ones went on the road <laughs> in 1985, and the mm-hmm. end of them was 1999. Okay. And were they only uh, as- uh, assembled in in New Zealand, Craig? I wonder, or were they were they made somewhere else as well? No, there was certainly um, in America, and there has been of the odd one in Australia. Bellways had some um, in Australia as body and threes, and they built the Air Force Base by Derby in the eighties. Okay, very good. And uh, just something else I noticed while I was there as well. Um, You seem to get some secondhand secondhand uh, imports. Uh, When I was there, I noticed a couple of trucks which had big uh, bull bars on them, uh, which w- were Australian spec bull bars. I think I noticed that, uh, like I might, might have noticed a version four of Volvo FH16, yeah. possibly even a DAF, I may have seen a DAF super space. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah, yeah, there, yeah, there is space camp DAF. Yeah. There's, the, there's the odd Scania as well, um, the 164 Scania, and quite a swag of Kenworths. Um, yeah, so we have yeah. imported trucks from Australia. Haven't seen as many imported trucks from the UK in recent years as there was in the early to mid-90s. Okay, and why, why is that, would you think? Is it, is it Because I know trucks in New Zealand are very, very expensive, relatively speaking, compared to here. Right, yeah. No, I don't know, I don't know what's spelt the end of the stuff from the UK. Okay. Um, and... Uh, your trucks that you're you're running uh, what we call here rigid and drags um, to you uh, maybe it's, you call it a truck and trailer a lot more yeah, so yeah. than than a, a traditional Arctic combination or a semi trailer and uh, what's the what's the reason for that is it you're allowed more deck space or yeah yeah um, absolutely so a maximum semi we can have in New Zealand um, would be fifteen point seven five meters. And depending on okay. what you do with a uh, rigid and drag, as you put it, you can go for a six and a half meter body and a 12 meter four bar trailer. So, yeah, the truck and trailers are more popular. Okay, okay. And then, um, what sort of, I noticed that there was a, one company in particular, just it st- sticks out in my memory, there's a company called Halls, which do a lot of uh, refrigerated uh, trailers. And they, they seem to be running uh, articulated trailers. There seem to be a lot of, um, 
articulated uh, fridge van combinations running on 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 four axes and the, the trailers look pretty pretty long and with with the four axes i expected them to be pulling pretty big weight and they had a what, what we call like an eight by four tractor unit in front of it like two steer axes and, and two drive axes but i don't think when i heard about it after i don't think the weight was that was huge it, what they were yeah, committed from yeah, committed so, area. Um, yeah so 46 ton um like general access, and you can permit them to 48 ton uh, route specific permits. So you apply to the transport agency, which is the governing body for transport in New Zealand, for where you want to go and what you want to do it with, and they'll issue you with a permit to do it. Okay, so 46 tons over uh, eight axles doesn't, you know, it seems doesn't seem like a an awful lot of weight. I know in Ireland here we're we're able to run uh, 46 tons. Uh, across uh, six axles now, so obviously your your axle tolerance, tolerances are, are very low in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. So on the um on the eight wheelers, five point four ton per axle on the steers. Okay, that's not or, much. <laughs> or or eleven as a pair of steer axles. Okay. And fifteen point five on your dual tied drives. Yeah. 5.4 tons per steer that sounds very low to me yes you can um put super singles on it like three three eight five size tires on the front and as long yeah. as you've got the sufficient um the sufficient permitting you know like manufacturers rating on the axle you okay. can you can go out to 7.2 on a single steer axle only. Okay. Yeah, it's um. So you five four on a twin steer. Yeah. Um, and then you have six, six point two on a. Okay. On a, because it it's uh it's interesting how how low it is. Like over here, I just give you a story. Last week I was um, <clears throat> I was running out to the from ireland out to uh, out to germany so we're still there's still a mixture still a combination of uh because of brexit a lot of trucks now were bypassed in the uk and they're taking the direct ferry from ireland to to france and uh there's but there's still a few that are going out to the uk so we were going through the uk so the uk have a have a lot lower um drive axle weight limit than we'd say than ireland and, and and the rest of europe so there's a couple of trucks got got pulled in uh for being a little bit too heavy because they had four by two or what you'd call it single drive tractor units so they yep. got pulled in, won't say where, and uh, they got they got fined, and then they had to get a a, a UK six by two tractor unit to come and collect the trailer and bring it to somewhere else where they could then hook up, hook up to it again and then go on their go on their journey. So it's uh, it's crazy that the, the the differences there are, and then you go to Holland for example, you go to the Netherlands and you'll see a four by two tractor unit pulling uh, a four axle trailer maybe with a load of precast. And a load of blocks on it so i think it's, it's always i'm always fascinated to see why different countries are running these different uh, combinations and, and certainly those ones in new zealand were were an eye-opener to me just i better ask this question or or uh, or i'll probably get in get in trouble if i don't because um you've you've had a good uh tradition of running british marks over in New Zealand as well, Craig, and I know I still noticed a fair few Foden's and ERFs when I when I was there. 
So do you still see many on your on your day-to-day travels? They are slipping away in numbers, but there's certainly still the odd Foden Alpha around. Uh, you see the odd 4000 series Foden of varying vintages. Um, ERFs are getting a bit skinnier on the ground. We only got the tail end of the ECX and ECS models. So I don't think there would have been any more than about 20 of them in New Zealand. Oh, really? Okay. But Foden was a, a pretty popular brand there, was it? Oh, yeah, it was. They were a great truck. I drove a Foden Alpha on livestock for, for a couple of years, a Aguila with a uh, 420 Cummins and an 18-speed beaten fuller road ranger and it was a brilliant truck really great truck okay would that would that uh would that eaten that would have been factory fitted i presume that eaten fuller uh, yeah yeah, right? yeah they were the first ones that came to new zealand had the um the eaton 16 speed synchro box in them and yeah. you know new zealand's adaptation of wanting the road ranger um, they soon gave that as an option and that was taken yeah. by most operators Okay, so it reminds me a little bit of uh, Australia as well. They seem to be really, really um, fond of the of the Road Ranger. I remember, uh, oftentimes I'd see a, a Scania or a Volvo that would have had a Road Ranger retrofitted. I presume it was just more cost effective. They seem to be parts for European trucks seem to be uh, very, very expensive over there. I know, like guys were telling me, you, you know, to buy a new Volvo gearbox was some astronomical price. So it was just easier to put in. Um, and sometimes if they were replacing the engine, it just made sense if you were putting in a Cummins engine into a, a Scania or something, you just put in a, a Road Ranger as well. Yeah, the previous model DAF prior to the Euro 6 uh, CF530 that they're selling now, a lot of them in New Zealand were sold from brand new with 18 speed Road Rangers in them, particularly okay. suited the off-road, you know, the rural areas and the logging operators. Okay. Just when you, when you mentioned rural carriers, I think... It'll be worth touching on it, and um, I did notice that was a thing as well, whereby you'll here you'll have more or less you'll have specialist hauliers, people who will kind of specialize. It might be a tipper operator, maybe running a few flat trailers, that kind of thing. Whereas in in New Zealand, you go to a town, and there's there you have it. There's one haulier, and he'll do everything. He does livestock, fertilizer, uh, you name it, curtain cider work. Um, I just thought that was. Uh, that was that was a big difference between here as well, and also in terms of uh, how the how the companies are owned and controlled. What what it says on the door may not be who actually owns the truck. So you have quite a lot of companies that uh, different guys will have share in them, shares in them, and, and sell them out as well to different crowds. Is that am I right in saying that? Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And just keep the um, you know keep the original owners' livery and name. In a lot of cases, you know, give the local town still the local carrier, even though that may not be owned wholly by somebody locally. Yeah. Okay. The um, just a, a another of all the there's a, such a, a wide variety of brands on the market. There, the only one I think that you don't have is Renault trucks in there. Yeah. So Renault. Um, you know, part of Mac. That's right, yeah. I think. yeah. So we've, we've had Renaults through the years. Um, the mid-1980s, yeah, we saw a wave of, of the R310, the, you know, those nice square square cab ones. Yeah. Um, there's still the old person around that drove one of them that, you know, talks about how comfortable they were to drive. Okay. Um, and we've had a range of, of premiums. Um, 
the Mac Quantum, you know, had a fair bit of, of renal lineage in it. Yeah. So when you say the Mac Quantum, because I, I noticed one, there's a crowd up in the North Island Foley Stock Transport, and they've got a what looked like to me is a Renault Premium, a flat roof Renault Premium. I think it was a Renault Lander. Yeah, I think it was a Renault Lander. Yeah. And it, it, what, what surprised me, I took a, f- uh, a photograph of it at the um, the big uh, livestock market. I, I always forget the name. Where did I go it, it, in the North Island? It's the biggest livestock market um, in the Southern Hemisphere. Ah, uh, and field, fielding, was it? Fielding, fielding, yeah. And I saw, it was the only, I was just looking at all the different trucks coming in. It was the only Renault I had seen, probably even in New Zealand, was that one belonged to, belonged to Foley's. So I just yep. thought it was, it was quite unusual to see that one. Did you ever get yeah. the Renault Magnum over there? We never got them sold brand new. There is four or five of them that were privately imported. There's a local chap that lives about 30 kilometres from me that's got one um, that, that's come from the UK. And he tows a skeletal three-axle trailer um, moving shipping containers of fruit between the pack houses really? and the port. So that always gets you looking when you see it around. <laughs> They're still, for a truck that's you know came out in 1981, they still turn heads. So is that one 4x2 uh, or 6x2? You don't really have 6x2 tractor units there. I think there, that one is a 6x2. Okay. Which would be rare in New Zealand, would it? Yeah, not a lot of 6x2s in New Zealand. It's, um, you know, we seem to like our, our dual drive for the topography. Okay, that's that's I, I presume that's the main reason, is it just for for traction? Why you're running double drives? Yeah, 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 just just for the just for the terrain. Yeah. Okay, um, it's someone somebody from Australia asked me recently why why on earth anyone would want to run a four by two tractor unit uh, because that's that's what the bulk of them are uh, tractor units are over over here, and I had to explain it well. Because we're so limited on the on our overall length, um, once you put an extra axle in, in that little chassis, then you're really, really limited. Especially now that you've got such big um, exhaust mufflers and uh, Alblu tanks and all these DPF filters. So when when we have a four by two tractor unit, you're really able to maximise on the amount of diesel you can carry, and obviously buy diesel where it's cheap down in Spain or Spain or in Belgium. But um, I suppose you're just paying the one price for diesel, so it doesn't really have uh, have as much of an impact over there. Yeah, so I looked at diesel price today, um, you know, knew that we were going to be chatting. So we're paying at the pumps at the service station about a dollar forty New Zealand a litre for okay. for diesel. So I'm not sure what that um, equates to in pounds sterling, but you have a better idea of that than me. Yeah, um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing euros, so I'm going to use that as my caveat to... to, to uh, wriggle out of that one. I don't know one one forty three. I'd, I'd have to look it up. Um, it's it's that could be uh, maybe in sterling. It could be the guts of maybe uh, a pound sterling, something like that. Craig, I'd say. But uh, I'd say not a not a huge amount of difference. I know from a time in Australia as well. I used to occasionally, not very often, but I used to occasionally work it out. And I think it, it worked out pretty similar to what we were what we were paying um, in in Ireland. You know, but then then again, we were we were using. Using so much diesel at that time, you know, we were doing about two and a half miles to the gallon on the on the on the road train. So, um, you've uh, you've spent a fair bit of time uh, to and flowing back and forward to uh, Australia over the years as well. New Zealand, um, or uh, Craig, uh, 
<clears throat> I recall one once in particular, you took a photograph. I was after getting a brand new Kenworth uh, 509, and you took a photograph. Uh, I didn't know you at that stage. Um, I was coming out of the the port in Darwin. That was about 2014 yes, that, that's or 15. Right on, on a Saturday afternoon, yeah. Yeah, so you just take a few uh, trips over every now and then for... Um, yeah, probably probably not often enough. Um, haven't been for a yeah. couple of years. We was we were set to go um, this year, but obviously lockdown and the uh, we have had a travel bubble with Australia for the past few months. It's closed now, but just the risk okay. of, of being out yonder, not catching up yeah. with the news, and yeah, yeah, being marooned here, just the risk was too great. Course. But yeah, certainly, so, certainly love to yeah. not look at trucks anywhere. I have only travelled to Australia, but yeah, we'll have to come over there and have a look around. Don't we have to turn on the good weather? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. You'll have to. Um, we have because actually, Dougie is at the um, convoy in the park this weekend. That's uh, so the truck shows have have just started up not so long ago here, and there's one I'm just going to go to a truck run up in um, up in Nuts Corner up in Belfast next weekend. So I think everybody is really really looking forward to going to a few shows. Have you had any shows? I believe I know you're in. It's it's winter time where you are now. Or have you had any shows in, uh, in over the past year? Or has everything been more or less? There, ha- there, ha- there has been the odd one. There's probably been as many cancelled as have been on. But yeah, it's just sort of coming into our season of events now. So sort of starting in September. So. He's okay. hoping they get this uh, variant of, of COVID under control. And, yeah. You know, we can regain some normality. Um, we're vaccinating over here for it now. So um, okay. vaccinations you... are pretty booked up. I, I was actually eligible. So I went to book in today, yeah. but they can't see me until uh, the 12th of September. All right. Do, do you go to some of the shows yourself? Do you bring any, uh, bring your truck to the show? Or? Yeah, I've done, I've done the odd one. Yeah. Um, or go as a spectator. There's, there's a big one, um, all things going well, down in Christchurch in March next year, so he will certainly make an effort to get along that's, there with yeah. the truck. That's the one, yeah, that was when I was there. It was March when, when the whole thing kicked off and I left, and I was actually looking forward to going to that one. Yeah. So we'll, have to, we'll have to defer that one for, uh, for a later, later time. Um, just in terms of drivers, uh, Craig, I presume, uh, like when I... When I Worked in in Australia. There was an awful lot of um, Kiwi drivers came over. Just maybe, I suppose that was kind of attracted by the big money in um, in Australia. But in terms of New Zealand itself, what's the what's it like in terms of? said the drivers. Uh, is there a driver shortage like we're experiencing over here? And is it primarily um, New Zealand drivers? And do you get many um, drivers from other countries coming over to drive there? Yeah, there's always been. Um you know, fellows from other countries come in at the moment. Um, we've seen in the last couple of years a lot of blokes from India turn up um, okay. and, and give it a go. But yeah, there, there is a general shortage. I think it's anywhere in the Western world in all reality. Yeah, okay. Um, and uh, in terms of uh, somebody who's interested in coming from, uh, from the UK or Ireland, uh, I know, speaking from experience, it was uh, work visas seem to be the big issue. I presume it's the same in in New Zealand. Do you know much about that? It's got um, a, an age limit on it, I believe. Like truck driving is down as a um, on the skill shortage list. 
but yeah, yeah. Pairs, are, at an age limit, uh, I'm not sure what that is. And you've pretty much got to be sponsored, so you've got to have a job to come through here, so you've got to be able to jack something up from home before you leave. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so it's, uh, I suppose it's, it's, it's not impossible, but there's cert- certainly there's a lot of barriers, and it's a pretty big in your way and a pretty big commitment. If um, if you yeah, are going cer- to do it, it certainly is, have, and, have, and yeah, obviously until they get the virus under control, it will have more of an yeah. effect on that. Yeah. Okay. Um, something else I would just want to ask you about as well is uh, logbooks. So, as you're aware, over here we went from. Uh, pen and paper, digital or paper tachographs to uh, to our uh, much uh, beloved <laughs> digital tachographs. I don't think anybody really is a, is too big of a fan of them. So you're a little bit uh, you're still operating pen and papers over there, uh, Craig, I believe. Yeah, yeah. There is companies that have got um, electronic versions that work on a tablet or on a cell phone, which are recognised by the authority, but. Um there's still a lot of people running the paper logbooks. Uh, our rules in New Zealand are you can drive for a maximum of five and a half hours and then you must have a half hour break. Uh, you can't exceed 13 hours work time in a day and then you must have a 10 hour break and a maximum of 70 hours okay. per week. Craig, just in yeah, in terms of uh, road tax, it's uh, how does it work in New Zealand in, in comparison? So over here, we just pay a set. We have a we have a road tax system for for trucks. You just pay a set uh, in Ireland, especially anyway. You pay a set rate for the year, and that's it, regardless of the amount of kilometres you do. But I believe you're operating a different system in New Zealand. Yeah, so we have a um, a device to um, record that, and it's paid for in advance. Um, some trucks have got mechanical hub meters, but there's a, um, a myriad of different electronic devices. So our company run one that is called E-Road. Anyone that's interested, just Google eroad.co.nz. Um, and it's hooked up that the company automatically pay uh, per kilometre. It's all in advance. You have to buy them before the fact. And it counts them off as you use them up. So. My truck runs on uh, a 54-ton high productivity permit, so um, it can run across train weight of 54 ton on permitted roads in New Zealand, which not every road is permitted, but I'll put in the work that I've got permits for. And that comes at a cost of 53 cents per kilometre. Pretty expensive. Yeah, it certainly is, yeah. Um, Anybody who's good at maths, better than I am, anyway, can work that out if you're doing... What would be your average kilometres for the year, Craig? Oh, you'd be hoping to be around 140. Okay. You'd be working on. Yeah. So what's... Uh, so you're looking at about $74,000 in road user charges. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. That is a lot, um, yeah. We have a... I don't know what you call them, ours are called a Certificate of Fitness, which is our vehicle safety check, so we undergo them every six months. Oh, every six months, okay. We have here, we have, uh, so DOE, Department of, of Environment, 
and that's uh, once a year you have to bring your truck and, and trailers in for tests so you guys have to do it every six months yeah every six months um, you have to uh, go over the pit and be checked by a uh, an approved inspector okay okay and then um with the with police checks and that is there do you get many checks from the police as well on the side of the road or how does yeah, it work so, is it the police, so, the police um, that do it or, or is there is there a Sorry, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, transport in New Zealand is regulated by the commercial vehicle safety thing, which is um, a department of the New Zealand Police. Now, they have okay. officers on patrol as well as they've got some um, permanent facilities. I'm sure when you've been in the passenger seat here in New Zealand, Paul, you've probably uh, raced the pants yeah. at one of those, have you? Uh, luckily enough, no, <clears throat> I didn't. Uh, no, but I was kind of interested. I, I was hoping to get pulled in and like take a few photographs, but uh, didn't yeah, come so the past. They've got um, number plate recognition technology now. They've got way in motions on the road outside some of their um, what's called safety centres. So you drive over yeah. the pads and then go around the corner and you can see your registration number and neon that tells you to pull in 100 metres ahead. Oh really? That's fancy. Yeah, it's getting technology is getting right up there as well. Um, I suppose that leads on a little bit then to what the wages for, for drivers are. Are you paid per day, or, or I presume if you're with Solis, so you're on a salary? How are most drivers paid in New Zealand, Craig? Um, a, a lot of it is per hour, Dougie. Um, there is people that um, you know that pay at a day rate or a salary. Uh, there's people around on trip money. Okay. So yeah, the wages have certainly sense. come up in the in the last decade, and um, you know, if you're with somebody pretty good that's got plenty of work, you know, there's potential to earn ninety thousand, hundred thousand New Zealand dollars. Okay. There'll be people paying more, and probably people paying less. Yeah. Okay. Just depends. Um, I just forgot. There's something else I wanted to ask you about there, Craig, and and. Uh, I was we were speaking so much about Scania's and and Max and, and different brands. I never asked you about Volvo, and um, what I noticed as well was that you're still uh, selling the Euro Five Volvo FH sixteen seven hundred alongside the the seven fifties. So the seven fifties seem to be uh, a more rare proposition over there. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, there's not a massive amount of seven fifties. Quite a lot of seven hundreds and a lot of of FH-16 600s. Okay, and you don't have the FH-16 650, I presume, Euro 6, like we have here? No, no, not yet. Um, there certainly is, you know, Euro 6 trucks here from some of the manufacturers. Um, we've got the Scania R650 and the uh, R540, the G540. Um, okay, well, so you have and, to fight and, more and, what was that, sorry? Sorry, so you, you actually have got the six-cylinder 540s, I was thinking. Yeah, we they're, have, they're, yep, they're, yep, they're, yep. they're reasonably, they're a kind of reasonably new um, release over here, and, and because you're always uh, kind of so late and getting a lot of new trucks in New Zealand, I was surprised. I thought maybe it'd be a while before you'd get the 540s, because it's interesting, you, you said previously that you've just got the, um, which which DAFs have you have you got? Because we've, we've got, you know, the whole new generation DAFs here. Now yeah, the, the, out, the, there's... The CF five thirty with the upgraded cab. You know, previously we were in the CF five ten. Yeah. Okay. 
but that's the that's the old model. You're not getting the real the, the, the just released no. one daft, are you? No, no, not yet. No, not yet. That'll be a little bit down the line. But the CF daft did seem to be quite a popular truck when it was out. Yeah, there. they certainly made inroads into New Zealand. Um, our first dafts that come into New Zealand um, were the thirty three hundred ATIs. Yeah, um, that came in in the late nineteen eighties, and your daft had established a firm presence in the market here. So Craig, uh, thanks very much for giving us all that information. Hope it's it's uh, shed a bit of light on on this for people on the what transport is like in in New Zealand and and uh, the sort of trucks you're running and what life is like for for a driver there. Uh, what have you got lined up for next week? Yeah, so it's Sunday night in New Zealand, Paul. Um, so yeah, tomorrow morning, oh, the Scania is loaded at the moment with a load of uh, bulk fertilizer to go over to our bulk store. In Golden Bay, which is about an hour and a half from home here, you climb up the Tarkaka Hill up to 791 metres above sea level. Um, yep. The road apparently has 362 corners in it. I've never taken time to count them. But Not yeah, right. it's, it's um, 15 kilometres up one side and 10 k's down the other. So we'll be over there and tip off and then pick up a load of. Uh, Load of dolomite, which is used as a fertilizer, and that'll head back down um, to Canterbury in the middle of the island. And okay. good luck, we'll get that off tomorrow evening before parking up. Okay, so and where will you park up in Canterbury? Oh, probably just we have a depot in Christchurch for our freight operation, which has got a shower and, and a kitchenette yeah. and all that. So, yeah, I'll try and get back there. Okay, and um, yeah. just uh, when you're driving the truck up that, um, that steep pass you're talking about what way do you um do you, do you drive of i presume it's uh it's it's a, an opticruise gearbox you have as well do you leave it in in auto do you choose auto power or do you just drive it a little bit in manual and a little bit in auto because um just from experience i i found a lot of times you have to just maybe give it just hold it in hold it in manual for uh for some of the hills no i i drive it in full auto in the normal mode Middle mode the whole way, and that does fine. I'm definitely an optic cruise convert. If I didn't see another gear lever in my life, I wouldn't be saying that. No, well, it's, it's, a, it's a brilliant yeah. piece of technology. Yeah, I, I'd, uh, I, I think I'd have to concur there as well. I, um, I'd definitely be a fan of it, and I presume having having a retarder in. Uh, on the sort of roads you're on there is a huge benefit as well. I just uh, I struggle to understand how, you know, well, I know you just, you kind of work with what you have, but if you're driving in New Zealand without a retarder or at least a good secondary braking system, it seems like a bit of a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. And that was the, um, the downfall of the jack trucks. Um, the Isuzu's yeah. had an electromagnetic retarder, but it had nowhere near the hold there. No. The, the, the new one has. Uh, you certainly yeah, had yeah. well down through the years, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So you you've got an R. It's an R normal cab, I presume, isn't it? Um, it it's got the lights up above the sun visor, so it, it's not the flat cab, but it's the it's the middle okay. cab size. I think that's. I think it's an R. Well, what we'll do is we'll get uh, we'll get you can send us over an email, and we'll put it on the um on the Facebook link so people can have a look at at the at the truck you're driving. I know you're. You're a dab hand at, at photography as well, so I think you'll have some pretty impressive photographs of the truck as well. 
people can have a look at it and, and get an idea. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's got um, one of those cab coolers on the roof. I heard you talking to Dougie about you had one fitted to a truck there a couple of months ago. Oh, that's correct. Yeah, down and uh, went to a Scania dealer down in Spain. So uh, I didn't didn't realise you had one in your truck. What sort of system have you yeah. got? Uh, it's it's the buy cool one that um, that's what Scania in New Zealand fit. So the truck okay. came in um, from overseas with a hole in the roof just to place the cover over it, and that was fitted here. Oh, really? So it didn't have a sunroof? No, it didn't have a sunroof. No, it was speaking. Okay. Oh, very good. And how do you find that, Craig? Have you got? Have you been using it in? in yeah, uh, yeah in I've, I've had a couple of goes with it. It's just sort of starting to warm up enough that yeah, it certainly yeah. takes the edge off. My theory was that if it's cold, you can always put another duvet on the bed. If it's too hot, you can't do much about yeah. it. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah, no, I I I think I'd uh, I'd, I'd agree with you on that one. And um, I was last week. I was in a I was out in a Scania S seven thirty. So it didn't. It had the Scania the parking whatever, uh, integrated system, and I use it, but I'm a little bit wary of those. I used one on a Volvo before, and it almost ran the batteries down to nothing, so I just like to have that, um, just have a, a secondary system, and even if you just use it for the for the fan function alone, I think it's uh, it's pretty beneficial. It's nice to have something, but uh, how popular are those um, secondary cab cooler systems in New Zealand? Nah, not that popular at all. I was no, just I pretty lucky that... Um my employer yeah. decided to put it on. There's a few people around with them, but um, yeah, yeah. The, the salesman did say when that one is spec for that truck, he'd only done one other up till then, but I know since then he's done another two. Okay, okay. And um, you, you spent a little bit of time in the office for Solis as well, Craig. Is that right? Yeah, I've spent a bit of time dispatching for them um, during through the years, yeah. Okay, and how do you, would you, obviously you prefer to be on the road than dispatching, oh, would you? I, I, enjoy, I enjoy getting out and, and doing it yeah. rather than telling somebody about doing it, but yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a job that has to be done and it's, it's you know, equally as important yeah. as, as driving yeah. them or servicing them. Oh, that's true, yeah. Well, thank you very much for uh, your time today, Craig, and uh, I hope you have a, have a good week uh, next week. Uh, you might uh, catch up with us maybe again at some stage in, in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Yeah, be great. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Truck and Driver podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To keep up to date with the latest news, 100% for drivers, visit truckanddriver.co.uk, where you can also subscribe to the print edition of Truck and Driver magazine, which publishes on the last Friday of every month. The Truck and Driver podcast is produced by Sound Rebel. To find out more, please visit soundrebel.co.uk.